Inspiration can be hard to come by. So what's the secret to having access to good, consistent inspiration? That's this week on the Fuse Chamber podcast. You're listening to the Fuse Chamber podcast, where you get the elite mindsets and skills to ignite your voice and build your audience. I'm your host, Chris Williams, and I want to help you live the life you really want. Inspiration can be really hard to come by. So what's the secret to getting good quality, consistent inspiration? First, let's remember why we're here. To create the next generation of leaders in arts, business, and community. To create an elite tribe of powerful, successful professionals who redefine how artists and entrepreneurs can do what they really want to do with their lives, full of passion and without compromise. I'll show you who you have to become in order to win, and I'll be here to inspire you each and every week so that you stay inspired and stay driven. This investment of 15 minutes a week will create habits that forever change your life and career. When it comes to inspiration, I'm not the first to say that you can't wait for inspiration to happen. It doesn't magically appear. If you want good creative output, though, you have to get inspiration somewhat consistently. Now, the good news is that hard work is the answer. But the bad news is, of course, that it's hard work. Episode 11 was about summoning the muse, so I'll try not to repeat content here and focus instead on what you need to do to create fertile, ready ground on which inspiration can be counted on to show up consistently. Try not to think of inspiration and creativity as a self-generating internal spark. You have to feed your senses with great raw material or fuel for the creative act to happen. Expression is almost always a reaction to something. It's a commentary on current events or a response to an occurrence in your life, or it's just giving form to your thoughts and your feelings at any given moment. But even your innermost thoughts and feelings wouldn't exist without experiencing the world and communicating with it. So to generate new and rich ideas, you have to live a novel and rich life internally and externally. When I spend too much time locked to my computer screen or notebook with headphones on in complete silence, I'm free to contemplate, visualize, experiment, but I'm not really feeding my senses. I can stir the water of my thoughts and feelings, but without enough oxygen and light, they'll become stale, cloudy, and even poisonous. You have to lead a life that allows new and fresh inputs, things for your heart and mind to do, to process, to examine, to question, to absorb and appreciate. In many ways, I think our world can be very insular, filled with pleasures that keep you indoors, literally and figuratively, showing us what to like and love what ideas to embrace, and how to behave, especially if that behavior leads to a purpose. 
to distract our questioning and examining minds with things that are designed to tap the pleasure centers and teach us to value sameness, certainty, and safety. But if you want to be truly inspired, we're going to have to break all these. Making massive change requires two things working in tandem. Your mindset, which is how you think about the world and your place in it, and your actions, which are the things that you do based on and in support of that mindset. When I speak about vision and service, these are mindsets. These are the beliefs that will hopefully influence you to take actions that move you towards your goals. But there are other beliefs that make up your mindset as well. For the purpose of finding inspiration and creativity, you have to have the mindset that is, you have to believe that just existing, that is waking up and showing up, is not enough. You need to believe that the right way to not only have consistent access to creativity, but in fact the right way to live, learn, and evolve to your fullest potential, no matter what your calling is, is to be three things. Observational, curious, and contemplative. Observation is, in theory, the easy part. All you have to do is keep your eyes and ears open. Be present. Don't read the ads in the subway or the elevator that someone else wants you to read. Don't have your nose buried in your phone while you're out and about walking. Really look around. Shut off your mind and look. Listen. Engage all the senses. What do you see? Now, once you learn to stop and just notice, you're able to go a level deeper. So, for example, on your ride to work, which you've no doubt done thousands of times, find something you've never noticed before. A whole building, maybe, that you've never even looked at, or a tree that you've entirely failed to notice. Even in nature, you can shut your eyes sometimes and have access to a whole world of sound that you didn't even realize was there, even if it's pretty constant and pretty loud when you really stop to listen. Now, the next step is a little harder. Be curious. This has two parts. First, when you're observing, don't judge the things you observe. Don't look at things and consider them as being good or bad. Since you've taken the time now to really look at something, maybe for the first time, don't worry about what it means or what you think about it. Ask instead questions like, well, I wonder who put that there? Or why did they choose the color they did? Or what would that have looked like when it was first made? Wonder about the history, the background, and the purpose of the things and the people that you encounter. If you can, ask actual questions. Maybe someone in the neighborhood knows when that building was built, what its purpose was. If someone frowns at you, don't assume you've done something wrong. Instead, say, I wonder what else might be true. Now, when you put those kinds of questions into practice, these questioning and curious mindsets can also help prevent you from jumping to hasty, incorrect conclusions based on irrational fears when dealing with almost any situation in the future. But only after you've put real effort into observing and questioning 
Can you make actual theories and attributions, which we also call judgments or opinions, about the meaning and the impact of these things? What you might not be used to is saving the judging for a later time when you have some actual time and space to sit with your observations and explorations quietly and without distraction. Now, it's not just about being out and about and observing the world around you. It's about intellectual exploration as well. There are so many ways that technology can help you surround yourself with inspiration. You can read books or book summaries with an e-reader. You can find local people with similar interests using networking tools. You can find inspiring photographs, music, artwork, interviews, lectures, performances, all online. You can search curated and custom-tailored live events nearby. You can even order the tickets online. And of course, you can research excursions and adventures, both short and long, near and far, that meet any possible budget and time constraints you might have. Now, this is what will expose you not only to different sights and sounds, but whole different ideas and approaches and thoughts and styles and patterns and whole different experiences. Whatever you do, once you do get out and experience the world, you also have a ton of technical tools at your fingertips that'll help you observe, question, and contemplate those things that inspire you. And they'll also help you document your observations, questions, and opinions. Your smartphone has got a notebook, a camera, a voice recorder, and even a personal assistant built into it. Duh, use this stuff. Because now more than ever, there are fewer and fewer reasons not to be surrounded by inspiring places, people, and ideas. Now, of course, the dark side of all of this technology is the distractions and the marketing that come with it. So remember that most of what you see on a screen is designed to make you buy something. So never forget that you are the target at all times of very conscious efforts to understand and motivate you. So stay disciplined and avoid those black holes that are only there to entertain, distract, and entrance you. Instead, Focus on right action. I've mentioned the mindsets that you need to adopt. So the second half of this is relentlessly pursuing right action. Things that will plunk you down in the midst of inspiring information that becomes the fuel for your creativity and innovation. At first, it'll require great discipline to remember to do these things. But over time, they become more habitual And not only will these habits ensure that you're creative more often, but once habitualized, they'll give you more energy and discipline to focus on increasing these habits or adopting even newer and better ones. So the effect is cumulative. Over time, you get better and better. To make it easier, I've listed these ideas in increasing order of difficulty and commitment so you can adopt the first ones first and then graduate or progress to more complex ones. So here are the actions, the habits that I want you to adopt. Number one, when observations arise, document them. You'll be shocked at how much slips from your memory when you don't write things down. So again, use your smartphone recorder, use your notebook, use your camera, whatever. 
I dictate to voice transcription software whenever practical, but sometimes nothing beats a pen and paper. So as long as you have it with you, for example, pen and paper, every bag I carry has got one in it. Every place I sit down, including the car, my bedside table, my desk, has always got pen and paper. So number one is really easy because it doesn't ask for any commitment to consciously observe things. This is just saying if inspiration happens to pop into your head, just be ready. Make sure you've got a way to document it, capture it, writing it down when it comes up. Habit number two, let's do one better. Don't wait for inspiration. Instead, once a day, make time to sit down and ask questions of the world. What did you learn today about yourself, about others, about the world at large? What kinds of problems do you think are begging for a solution? I do this usually at night after I've lived a full day. My mind tends to be popping with things that could have gone better or I would like to see done differently. So I reflect on things that maybe wasted my time, interactions that I could have handled better, things that didn't go the way I wanted them to. And as always, document what you come up with. Number three, here's something you can do to help invite inspiration. Shake up your routine. Whether it's brushing your teeth with the opposite hand, to changing your normal route to work, anything you do repeatedly can be changed up. Number four, Make a commitment to consume art voraciously, not just the stuff you like, but everything. Talk to others about what they like and why, and then commit to experiencing or experimenting with different kinds of music, art, reading, performances, whatever. Number five, read biographies or watch documentaries of great artists, thinkers, leaders, pioneers, humanitarians. Let their examples inspire you and feel free to steal from their arsenal of mindsets and habits. Just don't copy the actual work. We can learn an awful lot from the greats that have come before us, but don't seek to duplicate them. Number six, meet as many new people as you possibly can. Yes, there is an app for that. There's many. But you can meet incredible people standing in line, in crowds. Now, of the people that are even willing to talk to you, maybe one out of 10, maybe 20, will have a compelling vision of the world, a passion for what they do. They want to change the world and nothing's going to push them off course. And they're so absorbed in what they're doing as a result. They also live their creed. Now, this kind of passion is rare but infectious. So it'll take a lot of trial and error to find them, but when you do meet these people, settle in for a good chat and pay very close attention. Now, if you meet someone standing in line for a coffee, obviously you can't cover much ground. So what you can do is say, hey, listen, I'm really interested in what you do, and I'm really interested in the passion that you bring to your vision and your purpose, and I'm wondering if we can continue this conversation sometime in the future. Here's my card. Try it and see what happens. Worst thing they do is they never call you. Number seven, start saying yes to things you would normally say no to. These can be small or big. Road trips, events, new people, new challenges, new competitions, or even worldwide travel. 
So starting with number one, very simple things to make small adjustments, to add some new creativity and inspiration habits to your daily work. By the time you get up to number seven, talking about opening it up and really bringing in new practices and new engagements into your life. Now, how you incorporate these is totally up to you. You could do, for example, one month on number one and then give yourself two months to incorporate number two, or you might be able to accomplish number one in a week. Whatever you do, and no matter which among these habits you choose, just never miss a day. That's the point of a habit, right? It's better to show up and do just a little than to not show up at all. Because then the habit backslides into, I'm just not doing it. If you think that you're pressed for time to do these things, let me help you with some suggestions. First of all, you will never find time. You have to make it. If you're truly serious about being more creative, though, you'll do whatever it takes to surround yourself with inspiration. So here's some of the ideas that I used. Every Sunday night, as you get ready for the week ahead, set a reminder to identify one habit that you have and an opportunity to change it this week. So we talked about brushing your teeth with your left hand or the way that you drive to work. When you get to that item, you can plan for it. Put it in your calendar that this week you're going to brush your teeth with your left hand. Make time for it. Schedule it. Put it in your calendar. Now, our lives are increasingly set up for automation, speed, and zero human touch. So go instead to places that force interaction. Go to your bank branch instead of the ATM. Get in line at the coffee shop instead of ordering with your app. Make meetup.com your new social network instead of Instagram. You can also use your commute, even if it's just a 10-minute commute, as your contemplation time. Commuter trains are awesome for this. Same with your 20 minutes on the treadmill or bike. Anytime you're doing something that doesn't require focused attention, you can use that as your contemplation time, the time when you're assessing everything that you've observed and all of the questions that you've asked. Most importantly, if you spend time watching television, getting into flame wars in online forums, reading or watching sensationalist gossip or news, cut that right out. Use the time you get back from that to read a book, learn about an inspiring life, innovation, or idea. Even five minutes a day, guys, would be enough to build a healthy habit of immersing yourself in inspirational moments, events, or communities. And in my experience, once you make five minutes a day, you'll suddenly find time for more. Being inspired and having your hair on fire to live your purpose is highly addictive in a good way. If you're going to have habits, these are the best kind to have. Folks, thanks for listening. You can reach out at FuseChamber.com or find me on Twitter at FuseChamber. Come in for some more insight and coaching next week. <laughs>